My name is David J. Harris, Jr. Join me and millions of Americans around the country as we embrace liberty and freedom. This is the David J. Harris, Jr. Show. Thank you so much for having me. Pastors, uh, John and Becky, you're amazing. Leanne and uh, Jurgen are amazing. The culture that they've cultivated and created for all of us, and especially you, to partake in is amazing. And it's something that you shouldn't take lightly. And I gotta, I gotta tell you, hearing you address what we went through as a country, as families, as a nation, um, as friends with all the racial divisions and divisiveness and do we post a black square? Do we not post a black square? To stand down there right before I came up and see the beautiful colors and tones of everybody on the stage here in unison. Here in unison. It's a beautiful thing. And what's more beautiful is I don't think they planned it that way. Like, no, you got to be this color if you're going to be there. And you're going you're, you're gonna to over here, which is what the enemy tries to do, and what the world thinks we need to do. But if we just follow what Papa wants us to do, then we get the beautiful blend of God's creations, and we get to honor the creator of the universe that wants us to know him as Papa, as Daddy. That's what happens when you get out of the way and you let God move. So thank you, worship team, band. Thank you all so much for pouring your hearts out and ushering us in. So let's, let's pray. Father, we're just so thankful for you. Daddy, we're so thankful for you. Jesus, we honor you. We thank you. We ask you to have your way this morning. I ask you to speak through me, guide my words. Let this morning's message be something that resonates and hits home in the heart of every person listening in this room, in the overflow, or online. You see every single one of us. So we invite you to wreck us this morning. Have your way. Speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Amen. You guys can be seated. Thank you. Thank you, worship team. So good. I think I heard there's a few people in overflow today or something. Is overflow packed up out there? And online, I hear there's some people online too watching. How are y'all doing today? Anybody, any men in here just finish emerge? Are you kidding me? Any lives changed, challenged, and encouraged from emerge? And I hear the champions are actually in this room too, right? How do you, how do you men that were on the championship team, how many of y'all are married? Where's your wives at? They're the real champions. Yeah. 
Y'all ladies are the real champions. And any, any ladies in the house here have a man at Emerge? Raise your hand. Yeah, y'all are all champions. All the ladies that encourage your men or your brothers or your sons to get to Emerge, y'all are champions. I travel the country. I speak all over the place. I speak at a lot of churches, a lot of events. And this was my first Emerge. And what I saw in the hearts of the men and young men and older men, what I saw take place those past couple days was miraculous. And it's something that I, don't, I have never seen before. I can honestly tell you there is nothing like it in this country. Nothing. And it's happening here. And I'll tell you, it's also the number one thing that I believe is necessary to shift culture, to shift things in the direction that they need to go to, if I could just be blunt, save our butts. I'm in church, right? So I should say butts. You know, I'm a California kid. I was born and raised in Northern California, a little town called Redding. A lot of people think it's called Bethel. I'm like, no, it's Redding is the city. <laughs> yes, I went to Bethel, but no, the city is Redding. Then moved down to SoCal, was in Laguna Beach for a couple years. Love California. Love all that you guys have to enjoy here. Hate the politics. I mean, you want to just talk about destroying a state. But you know what it is? When I spoke at Emerge, uh, I, I really felt like I was supposed to be pretty bold and direct, even though I try to normally be pretty bold and direct. <laughs> I felt like I was supposed to uh, punch some wokeness in the face. And do you understand the reason I firmly believe that California is in the situation that it's in politically is because families, and even more precisely, men, the men in the church, have not been standing in their rightful place as leaders in their communities, in their families, in their communities, in their churches. And so if we don't stand in our rightful place, guess who's going to stand there? And if we're not the stopgap for the enemy of our lives, of our soul, of our Christian heritage as a nation, if we don't make our voices heard and stand up for truth and make sure that the individuals that we are voting for to represent us also align with the biblical truths that are our foundation, then we will get those that the enemy uses to distort, pervert the truth, and push an agenda that's 100% against our faith. And then we're like, how do we get here? How do we get here where Gavin Newsom's saying church has got to shut down and you can't even sing in church? Are you kidding me? When I saw Gavin Newsom say that, you can't sing in church? Did you guys hear him say that? That's demonic. 
That is a demon speaking through the, through the individual that is in charge of your state. So I had to punch some wokeness in the mouth. But the goal was, as men and as individuals, since it's not just men here, of course, acknowledge what we've done wrong, where the error was, and don't do it again. And don't be silent. Speak up in the face of a friend or a family member that may say, well, you know, love is love and you know, God is love and love is love. And if they want to love who they want to love, this is love. Yeah, but my Bible tells me that, yes, God is love, but he also created Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. And there's a, design, a, a divine order to how we are created to procreate. And if you pervert that, then you don't get procreation. There's no way around it. And they're trying like heck to do it, aren't they? They're trying like heck to do it. Did you hear the first transgender man got pregnant? What's well, because they got XX chromosomes. It's actually a woman. No man can get pregnant. As much as you try to pervert it and twist it to fit your narrative, the Bible is true and everybody else is a liar. Period. So I had to punch some wokeness in the mouth. But men stood up. You know, men responded. The men responded. And whether it's the CRT stuff the, that's just trying to get us to look at each other based on the color of our skin instead of the content of our character. Whether now it's the DEI, diversity, equity, inclusion, the same issues. It's all woke nonsense. If we as individuals... And as men stand in our rightful place, know what the Bible says about us and who we're supposed to be, we'll be the stopgap to that mess. So that's why what I saw at Emerge, what I experienced at Emerge, what I witnessed, is like, that's, we need this to happen all over the country. So it's an absolute honor to be there. So all the ladies that encouraged your men or brothers or sons to go, God bless you. And all the men that took the time to get there, keep going. Absolutely a must. All right, I got a little more time this time than the last service. I still, I won't try. To, I won't try to make sure. I'll try to make sure you don't have to push back the twelve though. <laughs> Heard y'all had to do that for somebody. So, I get the pleasure of traveling the country, speaking. I I started posting stuff on social media, and they kind of, they kind of, some of them went viral and. I don't know, some guy named President Donald Trump retweeted me and shared me on his Facebook and shared me on his Instagram. And so then I got even a little bit more uh, aware. People got a little more aware of me, which is all fun. So I brought some pictures. In case you don't know, and I'm hard to find on social media because they silence it, they censor the crap out of me. So it's David J. Harris Jr. But go ahead and show that picture of me and Trump. There's one. That's at the White House. Not bad when you're getting photobombed by Matt Gates, huh? But that's not the picture I made. There we go, there we go. That's, no, that's, a, that's at the White House. Those banners I got in the back, I, I, I like to take those with me on the airplane and then I'd be like, 
people walking by. But that wasn't the picture I meant. Go ahead, the next one. Where's the next one? There we go. That's, that's a good one. I didn't know I was going to get to see the president that day. That's why I'm wearing a T-shirt. But that's not the picture I meant. Go to the next one. Where's the next one at? There we go. That's, that's not a great one. That was in Vegas. We were just chopping it up. That was really good. But that's not the picture I meant. Go to the next one. Let me see. That's a good one. That's the one I've got on my canvas. I was like, ready. I felt good. But what, what's the next? I think I got one more. What's there? Or is there a video? Yeah, that was in the Oval Office. The Oval Office. But here we go. Here we go. Oh, you can't hear it. I'll tell you what I said. Oh, there we went. The Oval Office just met with the President of the United States in the Oval Office. Are you kidding me? <laughs> and he had signed my hat too. Are you kidding me? Little old me from a little old town in Northern California, hanging out with the President. Hanging out with the President. That's that's enough. You can tell. It's pretty cool that over the last couple of years, when I see the president, if it's at Mar-a-Lago, pretty much anywhere, as soon as he sees me, he's like, hey, David, how you doing, David? I was at an event at Mar-a-Lago, and he literally, in the middle of speaking, saw me, and he stopped and started talking to me for like 60 seconds. He's like, David, man, what are you doing? He's like, how's your leg, David? How's your leg? I broke my leg. I snapped my tibia literally in half. He's like, how's your leg? How's your leg? I told him it was roller skating, speed skating, downhill, 100 miles an hour. Just kidding. I wish it was that glamorous. It wasn't. He's like, how's your leg? How's your leg? He breaks. He's like, David breaks his legs like ice skating or so. He's like, ice skating. I was like, I was roller skating, but thank you. He's all, you got to take up golf, David. Take up golf. So it's pretty cool that President Trump, the greatest president we've ever had, knows my name. That's fun. But what's more fun and more important is that Papa knows my name. And he knows yours. But the other amazing thing, while all that's really fun, what's pretty incredible, what's pretty incredible is where I was at just a little over 10 years ago. The name of my, uh, the title of my message today is Can I Be Your Angel? If you put Luke, Luke 1, 30... Luke 1, 30 through 34, and then 8, I'll read it. Can I be your angel? Then the angel said to her, speaking of Mary, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord, the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom, there will be no end. Everybody say no end. You are a part of that no end. All these centuries and thousands of years later, a couple thousand years later. Uh, and then Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I do not know a man? How can this be, Mary said? The title I felt that I was supposed to have for today's message for you is, Can I Be Your Angel? Because in this passage of Scripture, an angel came to Mary, presented something to her that seemed crazy, seemed incomprehensible, and literally, scientifically, is impossible. Right? 
And she said, how can this be? He explains it. And then Mary says, behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. Basically, Mary said, okay, yes. She said, yes. She said, yes. My question to you, the title, can I be your, can I be your angel? Because all I want to ask you is, will you just say yes to God? This morning, will you say yes to God? So I have prayed for a while. God, use me as an example of how you want to bless your kids. Which sounds like a good prayer, right? But what you don't know is that in the year 2008, I was going through it with my business, with my, my wife. My 2008 was like a lot of people's pandemic. It was a lot of people's COVID. Did anybody go through hell during COVID? Lose jobs, maybe lose friends, lose income, not know where you're going to go. I mean, a lot of people committed suicide. A lot of us lost family and friends. Drug abuse was rampant. Alcohol abuse was rampant because they were trying to lock us in our houses, keep us out of places of worship, keep us away from being able to connect with people, keep us out of gyms. But the dispensaries were open. You could go buy some weed. You can go buy some alcohol. Well, I don't know about you, but for me, having come from a place of abusing alcohol and drugs, when I start drinking and I get off course, it's not hard to say, where's some Coke at? I'm sorry, this, this ain't PG-13. Is this okay? It's not hard. I'm tipsy. I want to wake up. Where's the Coke? So in 2008, that's where I was at in my life. I was drinking. was with a friend. Said, let's go get some Coke. We went to go get some Coke. We're actually living in, I was living in Laguna Beach. We drove over to Hemet. I forgot I was here. It was, yeah, this is a lot closer, right? Oh, hey, I'm like in the vicinity. We drove over to Hemet to get some Coke. And I'm sure y'all seen the movies, so you know what I'm talking about. Coke, you should be able to chop it up, right? You've seen the movies, right? It wouldn't chop up. It was kind of smushy. So my friend said, well, let's just smoke it. I said, okay. Put it in this little pin-like thing. Lit it. I hit it. Unlike anything I'd ever tried before. He said, you like that? That was crack. That began a two-year journey of me hiding it from my wife, only doing it when I wasn't home or when she wasn't home or when I thought I could get away with it for two years. I'm about 270 right now. Over the course of that two years, I lost close to 100 pounds. My business completely went through turmoil. I wasn't present. I didn't really care. You, you, want, that, you want that next hit. I'd go work hard enough in the daytime so I could smoke it all night. After close to two years, it was about September of 2010, we wound up moving back to Reading. My wife didn't know what I was doing, but knew that I was not healthy and it was toxic and she was scared. 
So she left me, took my kids, and she was just like, I'm out. I'm done. Not that she gave up on me, but I was not being, I wasn't, I wasn't being a good guy. I wasn't abusive to her, but probably emotionally. And she just knew it wasn't safe. She didn't feel safe. And every man should make your spouse feel safe. Home should be a place that you feel safe and secure, not threatened. So she left, and then uh, I, had got a, I had gotten fronted ounce of coke, and I would sell what I needed to so that I could cook the rest and smoke it. And this one night, I had one friend that we would just smoke crack all night. And it's interesting, uh, maybe it's more information than... I think some people in here are like, man, where did this guy go? This just turned left quick. This is dark. Man, this is better than an R-rated movie. Never heard this kind of stuff at church before. He's smoking and cooking it and everything. Yes, you cook Coke down to make crack. Anyway, I won't go farther than that. If you know, you know. So... You're not, supposed to, you're not supposed to hold it in either when you inhale it, right? You're supposed to Bill Clinton it. I did not inhale. You're supposed to blow it out. Well, my friend and I kept pushing it to see how long we could hold it in. I held it in. I held this hit in so long that by the time I blew it out, friends, my eyeballs were going up and down this fast. Like, you can't make your eyeballs go up and down that fast. You just can't do it. And in that moment, I wanted to panic. God is so good. How many of you know, even though you make your bed in hell? Psalmist said, even if I make my bed in hell, even there, you're with me. In that moment, when my eyes are doing that, I heard the voice of God say, don't freak out. Don't freak out. This will pass. This will pass. So I didn't look at my friend that was just across the table from me because I didn't want him to freak out. He would have freaked out. The next morning, I reached out to the guy that introduced me to uh, that drug, and I told him what happened, and he said, David, you need to stop. He said, had you panicked, your heart would have exploded. Your body was ODing. It took about two weeks for me to continue smoking what I was smoking because I heard him, but I didn't really care. And at the end of that two weeks, my wife's gone. She's taking the kids. My business is in the toilet. I took all the tools and utensils I had. I'd finished smoking everything I had. I didn't have money to pay for it. So I knew I wasn't going to get any more. I just knew I was at the end of myself. Threw everything away. It's Sunday morning. And I said, okay, God, I've made an absolute mess of my life. What do you want me to do? And I heard, go to church. Anybody thankful you have a church like this you can come to? You should be so thankful that you have a church like this you can come to. Whether you're in the overflow or not, or watching or not. So I, I, I initially I kind of argued with God. I'm, I know I was, I was in a great bargaining position. 
I said, God, God, have you seen Bethel on a Sunday morning? It's pretty busy. I hadn't been going, obviously, to Bethel, but I heard go to church. So I stopped arguing with God. I got in my car. I turned on Air One, and, man, God's presence just hit me. I just started weeping. Aren't you thankful that no matter how far off course you may get in life, maybe I'm speaking to myself. I don't know. Maybe I'm the only person that's really got off course. Anybody else in here really got off course? No matter how far off course you get, he is such a good father. He's always right there. He's right there. All you have to do is say yes. When I stopped arguing with God and I said yes to going to church, I felt his presence meet me. And in Reading, you have to turn off one street, and it's about a quarter-mile road up to the church. I turned, and the cars, it's so packed, the cars are lining the road all the way up to the top of the hill. I get to the top of the hill, and there's cars everywhere. The parking lot's full. I see a sign that says parking lot full, and the very first spot, first spot is open. I'm like, <laughs> okay. I park. I went inside the lobby. There's chairs Overflows in the lobby is full. I walk to the entrance to the auditorium, full, packed. There's bleachers pulled out. Those are packed. I get a tap on my shoulder. The lady says, are you looking for a seat? You can have mine. I'm a third row from the front, right in the middle on the left side. I'm like, okay, God. They had just finished worship and announcements like we just did. And the pastor, Eric, is getting ready to walk up and speak. And he, he walks up and he says, today, friends, I'm going to talk to you about the prodigal son coming home and walking into his inheritance. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? I told a few people there. I talked to Pastor Chris Vallotton. He hadn't seen me in years. I told him what I was dealing with, what I was battling, and he said, David Harris, that's not you. He put his hand on my chest, and he prayed for me. Felt like his hand went into my soul. I felt delivered. I felt free. I never touched crack cocaine again after that day, and I didn't have any withdrawals either. <laughs> Give God a hand. Give God a hand. Claim that. I feel like some of you need to claim that for family members that you may know right now that are stuck in addiction. Maybe it's alcohol. Maybe it's drugs. Maybe it's pornography. Maybe it's something else. Claim it right now. Just for yourself, just claim it. See, I claim that for, and then say whoever it is. Just hold on to that. What God's done for anybody else, he'll do for you. Every testimony is a prophecy. It's an example of what God can do. So while I had this amazing encounter with God, and next Sunday I went back to church, the very same parking spot was open. People were like driving by it. I parked there. I get out. I asked the parking lot attendant. I'm, I said, whose spot is that? He said, that's your spot. How many are thankful for prophetic churches too like y'all, right? So while I had this amazing miracle, friends, my wife had still left. She still had the kids. She didn't know what. I told her, babe, I went to church. I got, I got wrecked. I stopped doing the drugs. Thank you so much for believing in me. She's like, that's, that's nice. 
How many of you understand just because God gave a miracle to you and did a miracle in you doesn't mean the people around you got one yet or got a revelation yet, nor can you hold them accountable to what you experienced. How selfish is that? This is what God did in me, so you should forgive me now. So while I was still estranged from my wife, I was going back to church. I was showing up. I was going forward for prayer. I went forward for prayer one morning, and I didn't give the guy anything, any detail. I said, my wife and I have been married almost 17 years. We're not together right now. Pray. That's all I gave him. And he looked at me, and he said, I feel like I hear God saying that you need to give her back to him. I said, what? He said, you need to give your wife back to God. <laughs> How many of you in here have things that you just don't want to give up? Maybe it's people you don't want to give up. For me, to feel like I was giving my wife to God meant I was giving up control. You mean I can't do anything myself to try to make her love me or want me or come back to me? You mean I, I'm giving her up to you and I may never get her back? I'm giving her up? So I, could, I saw myself holding her and I reached out to let her go and I pulled her back. I was like, I just can't do that. I can't do that. I reached out to let her go and I pulled her back again. I, I can't do that. Third time I reached out and I released her. I gave her to God. And then God said, now pray for her. And pray that, <laughs> pray that if, if you're not what's best for her, that you want what's best for her anyway. So I did. I prayed. I had felt freedom in that. I prayed for her. I even told her one time, I know you're going to go out with somebody, and I think you're seeing somebody, and if he's who God has for you, I pray it makes you happy. A couple months went by, and God showed up and met her. And he met her in such a way that she reached out to me. And she said, babe, I know we've been through hell. But God just showed up. And he just let me know that I'm not supposed to give up on us yet. <laughs> and if you're not willing to give up on us, then I think we need to give it a try. Are you kidding me? God is a God of restoration, friends. He's a God of restoration. Now this is, I know, for me and my wife, but what is broken in your life? What is broken? What is out of alignment? What needs restored? And I know God can restore marriages. He's done it. He did it for me. But are you willing to give up control of what you think it's supposed to look like? Are you willing to give up control and give it to God, whatever it is, and say yes? Are you willing to do that? 
until I was willing to do that, nothing else was going to shift. Nothing else was going to shift. We've got to say yes. Can I be your angel today? And will you just say yes to God? You don't have to know how it's going to work out. You don't have to know how it's going to come together. Maybe there's something, I, I really feel like Holy Spirit is revealing to people in here right now that there's things that you need to let go of. You need to let go of feeling like you need to control it. Or you need to lay down those issues that I think it's Paul said that so easily beset us. There's things that you have in your hands that you can control, that you can lay down. Anybody in here feeling like there's things that you need to lay down and things you need to say yes to? I want you to do that. I want everybody to stand up. I believe that God is going to do some miracles right now. I believe there's individuals in here that have hungry hearts, that your soul is thirsty for God to do something in your life. You've seen what God did in my life. I'm no better than anybody. I just simply said, yes, God, yes. Take my mess of a life and do what you will. And wow, has he made it beautiful. Put the picture of my family up real quick. I'm going to just want to salt your oats a little more. My wife and I are going to celebrate 29 years of marriage next month. Are you kidding me? Restoration. Our daughters. He restored the relationship with them. They didn't feel safe around me either. They love me. Our youngest daughter, the brunette, she works for us. How many, how many parents would love to have a kid that's willing to work for you in their 20s? She's 25. She's turned 25. And had, had the enemy taken me out, not only would I not be here for this, but show the next picture. Our first grandbaby. My first grandbaby. Show the next one. Show the next one. Show the next one. <laughs> Are you kidding me? She has this papa wrapped around her little finger. Talk about restoration. You've heard you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. Well, you can salt their oats and make them thirsty. I feel like there's a whole lot of people out here. There's individuals in here that are already thirsty for more. You know God has more for your life. But you got to be willing to say yes, and you got to be willing to let things go. I don't have time to get into more of it right now, but I want to share this too, because I found this out about Pastor Becky, that she speaks on ungodly beliefs. I did not get completely free. I never touched crack cocaine again, but I did go back and start drinking again. Can you believe that? But it, I didn't get completely free until I discovered the ungodly beliefs that I had at a subconscious level that were dictating my behavior. When I heard Pastor Becky say that she hits on that, friends, don't discount it. 
it was things that it wasn't even, it wasn't even that I had been abused, and I'm, I'm thankful for that. I know some people have been when they're younger, but it was stuff that I'd went through when I was nine. The judge pulled me into his chambers at nine years old. My parents are getting divorced and said, who do you want to live with? And I said, well, my dad's black. My mom's white. My dad's a male. I'm dark. I'm a male. I said, I want to live with my dad. I look more like him. And I regretted my entire teenage years. My dad wasn't a words of affirmation or physical touch. I rarely heard I love you unless he had to. It's my birthday or something. I didn't get hugs. And then I'd go live with my mom and she'd give it all to me. I did not realize that not only was I bitter at him, who was a good father, roof over my head, clothes on my back, food on the table. He was a provider. He was safe. But I didn't realize that because of that lack of the way I received love, that not only was I bitter towards my dad, but I held myself responsible because I was the one that told the judge. I had no idea it was there. So because of that moment, I wanted to share this because because of that decision of telling the judge, I want to live with my dad, the ungodly belief that I had held on to for decades was that I make bad decisions. Another one was the women I love the most and need the most will leave me. How can you navigate life and be free and get all that God has for you if at the core you've got ungodly beliefs that are directing your path into icebergs to tank your ship into brick walls? How can you do that? So when Pastor Becky said that she goes after that, I said, I got to touch on that then. So I want us to pray. If you're in here right now and you know you're thirsty, you're hungry, you want God to do Whatever miracle, whatever it is you want, whether it's a restoration, you just know you're alive at this moment in time in history to leave a mark, to leave an imprint. Maybe it's the true wealth of what I have as a father is in my family and my grandkids. The ability that I have to speak and share and inspire others is, is just, it's beautiful. Whatever it is in your heart, I want you to close your eyes right now. Everybody close your eyes. Father, I just ask you to speak to my brother and my sister right now whether they're in the overflow room, whether they're watching online or they're in this room, Holy Spirit, speak to them. What is it that they need to lay down? What is it that they need to give up control over? I ask you to reveal it to them right now. Friends, put your hand on your heart. Whatever it is that you feel Holy Spirit just showed you, I want you to see it coming out of your heart and coming into your hand. And when you see that, put your hand in front of you. Put your hand in front of you. It's a sign of faith. It's yes, I recognize that Holy Spirit, you're showing this to me. And I need it out of my heart. I need it out of my soul. I need it out of my being. And put it, your hand in front of you. And then release it. Just just release it. A releasing motion. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. Now, God, I ask you, replace it with the truth. What is the truth? What is the truth? Maybe it's self-control. Maybe it's peace. Maybe it's assurance that your papa knows your goings, your comings. He knows all. He knows every single day that you have. And he has such an amazing plan for you. I feel that there's such a, there's individuals battling loneliness, depression. You don't think God sees you. You don't think you matter. It's a lie from the pit of hell. It's a lie. It's breaking off of you right now. That lie is breaking off of you right now. 
He has a plan for you, plan to prosper you, plan to bless you, plan to use you to bring joy to people around you. He has plans that would blow your mind. You haven't even imagined what he has in store for you. Just say yes right now. Just say yes. Yes. Daddy, we say yes to your way. We say yes to your plans. We say yes to you. Have your way. In Jesus' name, whatever truth he gave you, if you haven't already, put that in your heart. Just put your hand back on your heart as a sign of sealing it up. Father, seal it up and expose if there's any ungodly beliefs that are still hiding. Father, I pray you would begin to expose it in the coming hours, days, weeks. Expose it for my brother and sister so they can be completely free of it. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen? Amen? Are you kidding me? God bless you all. Thank you, Balboa, for having me. Thank you, Pastor John. Back to you, brother. My name is David J. Harris, Jr. Join me and millions of Americans around the country as we embrace liberty and freedom. This is the David J. Harris, Jr. Show.